once again now with all your hearts. Your holy 
Praise Him this morning with your hands. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord Jesus. Let's sing that song together, The Splendor of the King. How great is our God? The splendor of a king. Oh, my heart 
sing how great is our God. Once again, now, name above all names. Oh, name above all names. You are worthy of all praise. Oh, my heart will sing how great is our God. Once again, how great is our God? How great is our God? Sing with me, how great is our God. All will see how great, how great is our God. Amen. Let's sing that song together before we change order of our service. I stand in all of you. Amen. You are beautiful beyond description Too marvelous for words Too wonderful for comprehension Like nothing ever seen or heard Who can grasp your infinite wisdom who can fathom the depths of your love you are beautiful beyond description oh majesty enthroned above and I stand I stand I stand, I stand, all of you, holy God, to all praise is due. I stand in all of you. You are beautiful beyond description. depths of your love you are beautiful beyond description majesty enthroned above and I stand I stand in all of you oh I stand I stand I stand in all of you, and I stand, I 
understand in all of you, holy God, to whom all praise is due, I stand in all of you. Amen. We just stand in all of you, Lord Jesus. Amen. morning everyone welcome to our broadcast this morning from hickory bible tabernacle and uh, this is our remote location and we are honored to have you with us today uh, it's always good to get together and um, this is our third sunday now in a row that we've had to broadcast and uh, lord willing uh, we are hoping by god's grace to be able to assemble together in our uh, fellowship hall next week but uh, we'll say lord willing uh, because we certainly don't want to uh, put anybody else at risk. And um, we just want you to be praying that the Lord will undertake continually for those folks that uh, need God's touch. And most of you know we've been in contact with the updates uh, just to let you know what's taking place. Uh, what I would like to do this morning is just give you some of these prayer requests. And I'd like to jump right into the word this morning and uh, deal with some issues here that uh, may conclude this part of our little series that we've been doing on marks and seals. And uh, so let me give you some of these requests here this morning. Um, in, a, in a way of beginning, I, I'd just like to say that, um, you know, uh, having church like this, I, I realize, I fully realize what it's like in your house today. Uh, even though I can't see the actual conditions, I know what it's like because it's, it's not church and Everybody didn't have to get dressed up to go out and prepare for the day. And having a place to go and having an assembly with other people it makes the day, makes the service, makes the experience something special. And I understand that. And for the children, it's hard to keep their attention uh, focused, you know, we, without the Sunday school uh, program and, you know, without all the, the, the normal uh, things that they experience. And I know for families, you're home all week. Hours turn into days, days turn into weeks, and weeks turn into months, and I, I fully understand that we're going through exactly the same thing here in our home, and we miss that gathering together. Uh, but uh, I just I just trust that uh, the Lord will anoint our gathering at least for this hour or so and, and uh, make the service a blessing to you. Um, that's, that's really all we can pray for and, and just ask that God would intercede on behalf of the assembly. Uh, there's many assemblies that are going through exactly the same thing today. There are some that are gathered together, but uh, there are uh, several that I know of that are uh, doing exactly the same thing. And so uh, we don't know what the future holds. And we don't know uh, how things will turn out, but our, our desire and, and our prayer should be that God would allow us to be able to get back together and to be able to assemble together in peace and to be able to enjoy one another's company again. So you pray that way. And uh, we'll make that our first prayer request today. I wanted to just give you an update on some of the folks, especially those who are uh, uh, not well and uh, really needing uh, that extra extra season of prayer on our part. Uh, Sister Mary uh, Smith is still in the hospital up in Lenore in the temporary hospital. Uh, she had a bit of a rough night uh, last night, but uh, she's uh, still in the recuperative stage. And so we're just praying that the Lord will minister to her. Being up there means that she's probably not a candidate for uh, 
having a ventilator, which is which is really good. Uh, and they're they're hoping to see that you know consistent recovery and then get her back on her feet. She'll have a long haul after getting out of there and getting uh, established back again and getting some strength back in her uh, bones. And we just um, are looking forward to that. Brother Smith uh, was doing well. He's uh, he was confirmed with pneumonia and he's taken a medication that hopefully will deal with that. So we're uh, trusting that the Lord will minister for him. Uh, Brother Joe Pascal uh, is uh, still in the hospital. He His oxygen was reduced yesterday. And uh, I, I don't have many other specifics, many other uh, details to give you, but uh, he's still on the ventilator and we're asking that you would just continue to remember Brother Joe uh, and give him the strength that he needs to be able to recover and allow his body to bounce back from uh, the trauma that it's been through. Sister Lisa is doing better. She uh, reported this morning that her and Joseph uh, were doing some better today and we're thankful for that. They had a rough couple of days. We want to remember uh, Brother Mike Holloway. Brother Mike, uh, as he mentioned on Wednesday night, uh, has been having some issues that are probably related to a pulmonary condition. Tomorrow, Lord willing, is going to be doing some testing. And uh, Brother Mike, we want you to know we're praying for you and just trust that the Lord will undertake for you and give you the strength, get you back on your feet and back on the road again. Uh, Brother Mike's going to take just a little break and uh, do some rest and, and healing. And uh, we we will certainly hold him up in prayer. Uh, glad to announce that uh, Brother Matt Cross tested negative uh, this week and actually got his results just within about an hour ago. And uh, he sent me a, a photograph of the of the results there. So I can verify that Brother Matt uh, was tested negative and we're thankful for that. Uh, Sister Laura Harwell is not feeling well. She's experiencing some symptoms and has been tested. And uh, Sister Laura, we'll sure be praying for you as well and uh, ask that the Lord will undertake for you as well. Uh, we know it's difficult and we know it changes things in a household when a family has to go through that. And so we just uh, will hold you up before the throne as well. Let's bring our request to him this morning. Heavenly Father, we are thankful indeed, Lord, that we can turn to you. And casting our cares upon you, Lord, is not only our privilege, but our, our right according to Scripture. That, Lord, you encourage us to do that. And so, Father, we bind all of these needs together. We ask in the name of Jesus that you will uh, just minister mightily, Lord, to these saints. And, Father, just have your way among them. I pray that individually, Lord, in each hospital room, in each circumstance, Lord, you would just be strong in their behalf. And Lord, may your healing virtue flow. We curse these sicknesses, Lord. We curse these things that the people are suffering, Lord. And not only them, but their spouses and their families as well. Oh God, we just ask that you would just undertake for their needs, Lord, I pray. There's nothing we believe, nothing that is too great for you. And so we pray now in the name of Jesus that you would just move mightily, Lord, on their behalf. Father, we come sincerely. We come asking forgiveness for anything in our lives that might hinder the moving of the Holy Spirit, Lord. But may your precious presence, Lord, be very real on behalf of all of these needs, Lord. We commit them to you. We pray in the name of Jesus that, Lord, you would bless this little time of our gathering today. And, Father, may your Holy Spirit just undertake for the needs of each one, Lord. We pray and bless the reading of the word and the hearing of the word, Lord. May it encourage every heart just in this little session this morning. We give it all to you now in the name of Jesus Christ is our prayer. Amen and amen.
I just realized I didn't mention Brother Tom. Uh, Brother Tom is still in the hospital. Uh, he is actually uh, uh, on the on the I'd say on the upswing. Uh, we don't want you to stop praying for Brother Tom. He's probably going to have to be doing some oxygen therapy, and uh, yet they're. Uh, sending over somebody to help maybe make that transition for him to go home. So we're really grateful for that. And uh, we, we realize that, uh, you know, with Brother Tom, uh, his desire certainly would be to be at home right now, but also to be back into the assembly again. So Brother Tom, we are sure praying for you and, and uh, just trust that uh, you'll regain your strength and your breath back again. And uh, for Brother Tom, uh, having an exertion, like getting out of bed and so forth, uh, really depletes his oxygen. So uh, we're, um, we're just praying that the right scenario, the right healing will take place, and then the right situation will take place as well uh, in his life. Sister Kim is doing better. She had a couple of days of rest, and so uh, she reports that she's doing better as well. Sister Judy Dilling is listening this morning. Sister Judy uh, was feeling rough last couple of days, and uh, she asked us to remember her in prayer as well. We have a couple of other folks in the church who are not feeling well, and everyone, uh, we certainly respect everyone's right to uh, keep some of those matters private, and uh, that's certainly fine. But as you can imagine, there's several folks that are uh, concerned and uh, just, uh, you know, want to regain their strength and get back on their feet again. Uh, if for a pastor, this is difficult because, you know, we, we certainly do want to get back together again. But we don't want to have anybody else put in the hospital. We don't want to have anybody else seriously ill. Uh, we're going to do everything we possibly can to try to avoid that scenario. So uh, it's it's not an enviable place for sure to be uh, in my position today. But um, I thank you for your patience and for your uh, love for the body and for everything that's being done, all the care and concern and food and gifts that have been given. Uh, just uh, trust the Lord will richly bless you all. All right, let's let's uh, do a couple of chores here right at the very beginning, and uh, we're going to turn to Luke chapter 21, and uh, let's do our birthdays here very quickly. January 24th, uh, Sister Lydia's birthday, that's today, and also Brother Roger Gibbs, uh, and may God bless you both. April Grant, January 25th, and Jonathan Mayle, spelled correctly, uh, their birthdays on January 25th. That's amazing. We have two physicians in our church, and both of them have the same birthday. January 27th is Sister Chanel Brown's birthday. Sister Chanel, God bless you, and also Sister Greg. And uh, we certainly uh, want to continue to remember Sister Greg in prayer and just ask that the Lord will undertake for her. She's a fighter. Uh, she's a believer, and uh, I believe Sister Greg is solid with the Lord, and uh, keep her on your prayer list as well. January 29th, Brother Keith Buchanan. Appreciate Brother Keith very much. And also January 30th is Sister Sabrina Stevens uh, celebrates her birthday as well. It's amazing that we're at the end of uh, January already in 2021. It's just just amazing how quickly uh, things pass by. I sent out uh, to some of you, I think you may have seen this in uh, Guanajuato, Mexico. And uh, this is uh, pictures that Brother George had sent me. Uh, this is right in the very central mountainous area of Mexico, north of Mexico City. And uh, the brothers there are receiving their books and they're getting out. And so we're uh, very grateful. 
we, as I mentioned to you, we have another uh, shipment of 5,000 that are going into that area because they've used them all and uh, need more books. So there's another 5,000 on the way uh, as we speak there. And then I uh, also showed you this. Uh, some folks saw this picture as well uh, in Lusaka, Zambia. Uh, this is books that are arriving uh, there. And on the right-hand side, they're getting off the, loaded off the truck here. Uh, on the left-hand side and on the right-hand side, they're uh, stored in the church in Lusaka. That's where I was and ministered there. And then uh, they're going to be shipped out to Brother Davey Mwanza and uh, go out to the believers out there. So Brother Davey's just been really faithful in delivering these things and uh, getting the books out to the people and uh, really has blessed them and united them. And uh, they're going to be really excited when they see the seals, the church ages, adoption and Daniel 70 weeks coming their way. Uh, that's a pretty rich treasure for them to have four books, uh, never having had uh, books before in their language. And now to be able to have them, that's that's exciting. I'll tell you what. And uh, we're very thankful for that. So let's turn in the word and uh, Luke 21. We're going to read there a very f uh, familiar passage of scripture to us because I I deem Luke 21 a very critical, very important scripture uh, a chapter where Jesus explains many things and tells us about uh, the prophecies concerning the future and the last days of the Gentiles. Uh, not only what's going to happen through that 2,000 years, but also what's going what's to happen and converge at the end when Israel comes back into the picture and the world goes into tribulation and the bride begins to leave uh, this earth in that process of, of redemption. And so, uh, therefore, it's going to be a, a pretty critical time uh, for uh, everyone on earth. Everyone's involved here. And uh, it is uh, certainly a, um, you know, a, a powerful series of events uh, that it, are, are going to transpire. And, uh, excuse me here, uh, need to get uh, something here from uh, my technical team. And um, this chapter is a uh, pretty, pretty good summary of uh, those critical events. So let's read one of them in Luke chapter 21, and we'll begin at verse 25. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the, uh, and in the stars and upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity and the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of heaven will be shaken. And <clears throat> we've talked about this many times, uh, how that the world is certainly coming to this place uh, as we speak. And then shall uh, they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And this is absolutely warning before judgment. And when these things begin to come to pass and look up and lift your head, lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. Now, let me just say this at, at the outset here, that what is really important here is what the prophecy is pointing to and not necessarily the signs that lead to the conclusion. Now, the, the, the signs are important. The, the signs are indicators, but the signs are not the event. And as you've heard illustrated many, many times, there are, uh, you know, on, on a journey that people will take, and we're going to, uh, like, you know, if, I, if I'm coming down to Hickory, uh, there are signs that indicate, you know, Hickory is 60 miles away or 40 miles away or whatever else. And they, they, they point me in the right direction. They let me know the time frame. 
but I'm not there yet. They are only pointing to Hickory. They are indicating how far it is away, but I'm not there yet. There's still a part of the journey that has to go. It would be pointless for me if my destination was Hickory to stop at the sign. It would be pointless for me uh, to uh, just you know focus on, on that itself. The, the important thing is the destination. Jesus is telling us something very careful here, that your redemption is what's happening here. The full redeeming of the people of God and the bride of Christ, the full translation of your body and the deliverance into the other kingdom, uh, the kingdom of heaven, that's what's important. That's what we keep our eye on, not necessarily... Not necessarily uh, the uh, you know the the signs that point to it. The world though is caught up with the the signs that abound. Now, if you don't mind, let's go down and we're going to have to look at we're going to have to look at another couple of scriptures here, if you don't mind. And then in verse twenty nine, he talks about uh, the fig tree and all of the trees. He talks about the events that. Uh, will take place in Israel. And he says, so likewise, when you see these things come to pass, know that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. So again, it reiterates that. But then in verse 34, uh, just to have you take notice here and take heed to yourselves that uh, in no time let your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and the cares of this life, so that that day come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Now, that's kind of an intriguing thing because Jesus gives us so many other indicators that we are living in that time. And then he says you have to be careful in that time that you don't miss it because it'll happen like a snare. And I've been thinking about that whole phrase that he uses there. I will tell you something, that the only way that, we could, that the world could be deceived in not seeing what is so obvious is that they're looking at something else. They are diverted in looking at something else. And it's when bigger, uh, bigger phenomena, uh, you know, are taking place in the earth, and uh, there's things that preoccupy everybody's mind. Everybody's focused on certain things. Hey, then we get our eyes off the important thing, and when we get our eyes off the important thing, then we do not have our focus on the thing that needs to be paid attention to. So I hope that's clear. That the only way that Jesus uh, could say this is when he talks about a snare. And then in verse 36, 36, he reiterates that and he says, Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy and to stand before the Son of Man. The only way that that could possibly be an issue is that the world is preoccupied with other things. Well, hello, uh, we live in a world that's very preoccupied uh, with other things that are going on in this world. And everybody's focused on something other than the coming of the Lord. And I, I want to say this as well as we begin here, that uh, whenever Brother Branham refers to the second coming of Christ, he, he refers to it as a, as a deliverance. The only thing that's going to uh, help, he, you know, uh, and I'm trying to think of an exact phrase, uh, he says the only thing that will help the church, the only thing that uh, will be good that will happen in this last day is the second coming of the Lord. That's what we're waiting for. That's what we're depending on is the second coming of the Lord. And if that's the case, uh, then uh, the, the, the second coming of the Lord will represent a deliverance for the people of God, uh, will not be something that we will have that will settle us and allow us to carry on. It's a deliverance. It's a taking away. 
the first coming of, of the Lord was to change the order of things. And we move from law to grace. We move from Israel to the Gentiles. And so it was a carrying on in a different order. But now we're not talking about carrying on. We're talking about a deliverance, a rescue, a plucking up, uh, a taking away of the people of God. And, and that's the way that Brother Branham refers to the second coming of Christ. So we've talked about Mark's and Mark of the Beast. We've talked about the seal of God. Uh, we've talked about the unbelief of the Mark of the Beast and the rejection of God's grace and the rejection of the message. And we, we talk about the seal of God and how that God, even from before the foundation of the world, predestinated his elect. And uh, they are ordained to believe. They are uh, people who accept the, the message of the hour and uh, they accept God's word as an absolute. Uh, we, we've we've pretty much established that. We've pretty much established that uh, there is an antichrist system that's forming in the earth and moving the whole world in a certain direction. We're obviously seeing that uh, you know take place, and uh, the the events of this world are all confirming that, and we know that's that's the case. We could add more quotes. We could add more things in there. But I'd like to ask this question this morning. Where do we go from here? Like, what's our, what's our, what, if, if you like, what, what should we be doing uh, from here? And what, as the people of God and as the elect of God, what is it that we should really be focused on at this particular point? So let's deal with that question this morning. And I'm not so much uh, as concerned about dealing with this uh, in a technical sense as I am just maybe speaking to your heart today. We know that God is in the midst of his people, that God is, in the, God is in the midst of his word, obviously finding our place and realizing that God has ordained us to be here. It's going to happen just exactly according to God's plan. We know that's going to take place. Here's the, one of the statements that I was referring to here. I mentioned a portion of this last Sunday, that the world in its pandemonic conditions, that's not pandemic, that's pandemonic uh, in the pandemonium that surrounds our time. It's got completely out of control. And every man-made organization in the world, <clears throat> he said, kings can't hold their subjects no more. Neither can dictators hold their subjects. And democracy cannot hold its subjects anymore. And you can see the unraveling of democracy. And I will say this, you may not understand this, and neither may you appreciate this. I'm not picking on anybody at all. But I will tell you that social media, is one of the factors as to why democracy is not able to hold its subjects anymore. And uh, there are so many conflicting opinions. Uh, there is so much fake news, and fake news is not just a little fad. Uh, it's a very powerful thing. Uh, there are nations that use fake news to destabilize other nations. Uh, we do it to other nations as well as other nations doing it to us. Uh, there is interference along these lines of media. And Satan knows that the whole world is plugged into one system or another where they're getting constant communication and interaction with the world around them, like never before. This is a season like never before. And because it's something that's come from the tree of knowledge and good and evil, it's actually capable of destabilizing things that have been stable for centuries and centuries. So when we talk about monarchs and we talk about governments, and we talk about something as solid as democracy and the way that it was formed, and now we see unraveling, an unraveling of those things in the world. 
uh, it's not entirely caused by social media, but I will tell you that social media is a factor and probably much bigger than what you think. And then you see people taking, you know, uh, fake things, false things, and they're even proven false. And people will, uh, you know, forward them around. And, uh, you know, there's, there's, uh, you know, I, I think we're probably all guilty uh, of doing that because in the moment everybody caught up with this particular, uh, this particular uh, event or this particular scene or something else. And, uh, you know, there's things that are portrayed as being, you know, imminent and things that are, you know, um, absolutely catastrophic that are uh, taking place or the fulfillment of prophecy. And then we find out it really was not much of anything at all. Uh, how many of you can remember Y2K? And we remember events like that. Uh, I will tell you that I believe based on our study here, I believe that the whole uh, vision that Brother Branham saw about the end time and the beautiful woman that he saw, I don't believe it was an individual. Uh, I believe it's the purple curtain that we should be worried about, not so much the purple dress. I think that the whole Catholic system is a very powerful woman that has an influence in the earth and will continue to have an influence right out to the end. As I said, I, I realize that I'm putting my head on the chopping block here, and I'm not going to be popular by saying this, but I think people too easily can be uh, drawn into the signs that point to our redemption rather than the redemption itself. Prophecy is used of God to speak about an event that hasn't happened yet. God is seeing the future and speaks about it like a present, present tense event. And that's what prophets do. They prophesy about things that are to come. So to stay here and, and to worry about the signs or try to interpret everything that's going on now and make sense out of it, let me tell you, the truth is so buried in layer upon layer upon layer of everyone's idea, everyone's thoughts, everyone's bias, everyone's narrative, everyone's uh, opinions about things. It's almost impossible to get a truth now. I thank God, and I've said this many times, I thank God for an absolute of his word. And I would caution you to make sure that we do not take the absolute and, and dilute it to the place where uh, every man's opinion about God's word is, uh, you know, absolutely the correct thing. Let me tell you, in the, at, the end of the, at the end of the day, my thoughts and your thoughts really don't matter. It's what God has thought. It's what God has said. It's what God has prophesied, and he has stated in his word. That's what really matters. The sooner we conform to that and be less fixated on the signs and the possible signs that people declare out there, uh, the more settled we'll be. Because as Brother Branham says right here, we live in a very unsettling time where things are in a pandemonic condition or pandemonium, if you like. And then in the last sentence in there, he says, or the last phrase, he says, and there is no hope uh, left but the coming of the Lord Jesus. The, the thing that God's going to do is pluck his children out of this earth take us from these bodies and deliver us into the kingdom. And so that's the way he describes, typically that's the way he describes uh, the events that we, uh, we are facing today, where there's a loosening or an unraveling of the world uh, and, and the powers that hold things in check over years and years and years. Now, uh, <clears throat> I, I read also last Sunday, and this is just a, a review screen here, that false prophets would arise 
uh, but yet the gospel will be preached in all the world for witness, and then the end shall come. So the, the commission of the bride is still uh, very important for us to be able to get the word out and to be able to get the truth out, unbiased, unfiltered, just to be able to get the word out. That's a very important thing. Now, again, hold on to the principle that God is a separator. Uh, he's not a mixer. He's not one that's interested in uh, compromising and blending things together. Uh, he absolutely is a separator. I believe that what you're going to see in the administration chains that we have in our nation, you're going to see a very strong liberal agenda that's going to sweep into our nation, and you're going to see things like the Equality Act, which is to me is a dreaded piece of legislation that's coming, uh, and some other uh, things that are uh, going to be uh, changing and, and uh, being undone from uh, how things have been. And I think as a church, we're going to have to brace for that. Uh, because there are people who are not uh, exactly message-friendly uh, who are uh, going to be holding the steering wheel for a while. But I will tell you something that uh, God knows exactly where we need to go. God knows exactly where this ship needs to go. And even though they may have their hands on the steering wheel in the, in the halls of Congress, God has got his hands on the bigger steering wheel that's guiding this world where it needs to go. And he's also got his hand upon the bride making sure that she also uh, has a place to turn. Now, in, in keeping with this here, and God's not a separator, take your Bible and, and go back, if you don't mind, to Isaiah chapter 13. And I'd like to look in there for uh, just a little reading of a passage here, <clears throat> because I'm finding this pattern more and more in the Scripture as we go along. Uh, Isaiah chapter 13, if you'll read it here, and I, I don't have it on the screen uh, for you, but I'd like to read a little uh, portion of this. Isaiah chapter 13, and we're going to read, uh, well, we, we can read in verse 12. And I will make a man a more, uh, more precious than uh, fine gold, even a man uh, than the golden wedge of Ophir. Therefore I will shake the heavens and the earth, and the earth shall remove out of her place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts and in the day of his fierce anger. And it shall be as the chase row and as the sheep that no man taketh up. And they shall every man turn to his own people and flee every one to his own land. And every one that is found shall be thrust through. And every one that is joined unto them shall fall by the sword. This is a judgment cycle that Isaiah is prophesying about for the last day. And he describes how that uh, trouble will come and men will flee. And they'll not be solid, uh, but they will be flee. Free, they will flee. If you turn in Isaiah chapter 14 and you look at verse 1, For the Lord will have mercy on Jacob <coughs> and will yet choose Israel <coughs> Sorry, and set them in their own land. And the strangers shall be joined with them, and they shall cleave to the house of Jacob. And the people shall take them. And bring them to their place, and the house of Israel shall possess them in the land of the Lord for servants and handmaids, and they shall take them captives, whose captives they were, and they shall rule over their oppressors. He talks about a very different picture for Israel than he does for the rest of the world, because God's a separator. So he does not leave all the world and treat all the world the same way. <clears throat> and that's what Brother Manum means when he says that God is a separator. God has his own people. God knows where those people are. And God treats those people differently than other people. And that's the right of God to do that. And that's why Brother Branham always, as you read this quote here that's on the screen, 
he says, you know, the church wants a mixture, mixer today. And, uh, we want to let the standards of the world mix in with the standards of God and have everybody uh, without restriction. We want to have everybody kind of on an equal footing. That's not that's not found in the Word of God. That's not consistent with God's God's ways and God's principles. So Brother Branham says, if we are people of God, then we have a different stand. We have God's standards, and uh, we do not adopt the standards of the world and mix them in. And so it, it's an important thing. Now let me give you a little example here, and uh, <clears throat> this is just something that uh, I just was pondering on here a little bit before service. When you look at the scripture, for instance, about a woman's hair. It, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's an important thing. And in 1 Corinthians, we find that Paul describes that, that a woman uh, should have long hair, long hair in the scripture meaning uncut, and that's pretty plain. But then it says that it's an abomination or it's, you know, it's inappropriate for a man to have long hair. So he's got to be on the opposite side of that. So you may say to me, well, how long is long? Uh, if, if, uh, you know, I mean, by some standards, uh, if I had long hair, like a girl, that would probably be considered long. Uh, that'd be funny, but it'd also be considered long. So if I cut it off halfway, I mean, that would be considered shorter. Is that short enough? So in a situation like this, where we don't have Paul describing, all right, we want you to have a, uh, you know, a tapered haircut, uh, over the ears and nothing touching your collar. Uh, you know, if Paul described it that way, that would uh, that would kind of make it easier for us. And people will say, well, you know, I look at old Bible pictures and see people back in the Old Testament there, and they had longer hair, the men did. And, and so, you know, it, it, it can be a little bit confusing until you see a pattern in Scripture, how God will set an adopted son right in our midst here, and he becomes, in a sense, a standard for us. So when we look at Brother Branham as one who was... Uh, in a sense, an exa real example for us, and uh, you know, a real son of God, and one who had come to maturity in his own walk and his own experience with God. And you look at how he conducted himself. And Brother Branham had a, uh, you know, always had a decent haircut when he was out hunting. You know, he had a beard and so forth, and you know, uh, all the things that uh, would be typical of being out in the wilderness for a while. But when Brother Branham conducted his normal life, he had. Uh, a decent haircut, and he was pretty consistent at all the pictures that we uh, we see. We refer to that as an example that God put before us so that we can model our behavior after that. So in a sense, if we don't have anything to point to, we can point to an adopted son whom God approved. And so it makes it a little bit easier for us then to adopt or to comply with the standard that God has given to us, a faithful son of God, somebody who we would refer to as mature and adopted, that's an example for us. So sometimes it isn't always what is said, but the example of what somebody does who we trust, that is a good good uh, lead for us. That's a good example for us. And so it's important for us to take examples uh, like that. And the scripture's clear, no argument. When there's a little bit of ambiguity there because there's not a detail given to us, then we look, well, you know, God doesn't leave us high and dry, gives us an example, sets it before us, and there we go. In other words, God's got a standard for everything. And it's important for us to look in the right places, even if, uh, you know, one might have an opinion or young people might have an opinion and say, well, I, I don't think that's long, I don't think that's long. Hey, look to the example God set before us. Put it right there. And uh, if that's the case, then, hey, that's a good example for us to uh, model ourselves after.
And so those are uh, just some of the ways that we can, uh, you know, learn to connect ourselves and be separate from the world. Because otherwise, you're going to take the world standard, and we're not supposed to do that. You're going to take the standard that that everyone else does or that you see online or whatever else, and all of a sudden now we have a diluted standard. Let's go back to the image that we had uh, last Sunday here, and I had several of you comment on this that it helped uh, to make sense here. Let's look at another scripture, though. Let's introduce Isaiah chapter 34. And if you have your Bible open in Isaiah still there, just go back to chapter 34. And I, I, I would love to take a little bit of time here on a, these two chapters because they present a contrast for us. But let's, uh, let's just take a, a, a brief reading here. In Isaiah chapter 34, and as a matter of fact, I have a little bit of this on the screen, so let's uh, let's just use this. Come near, ye nations. Isaiah 34, uh, 1 and 2. Come near, ye nations, and hearken, ye people, and let the earth hear, and all that is therein, the world, and all things that come forth of it, for the indignation of the Lord is upon all nations. So Isaiah says it like this. Everybody listen up, because this is critical here. This is important. And this is a cycle of judgment that the world is moving into. Those things are always negative. They're, they're kind of uh, things that we don't want to think about or talk about. But Isaiah is telling us that there's going to come a season where everyone in the earth, when he says, come ye nations, everyone in the earth is going to be affected. So everyone in the earth needs to be warned. And let the earth hear. Everybody on earth should have access to what God is saying right here that all things are going to come uh, to pass here, and the indignation, the fierce indignation of the Lord is going to be poured out. And the whole chapter of, of 30, uh, 34 here, it, it describes that, um, it, it describes that uh, scenario of judgment that is uh, being poured out here on the earth. Let me find it just exactly. I had the wrong, wrong reference there. It, it, it describes in detail, and you can read it yourselves, you can see what uh, God will actually do to the nations here and how they will wind up. But notice in the very last two verses of Isaiah 34, he says, Seek ye out the book of the Lord, and read, and no one of these shall fall. None shall want her mate, for my mouth it hath commanded, and, the, and his spirit it hath gathered them. And he hath cast a lot for them, and his hand hath divided it unto them by line, and they shall possess it forever. And from generation to generation shall they dwell therein. God says in the last day, he says, there's going to be a people of the book, and they're going to read. And they're, they're going to be uh, people who are ordained to understand what the book warns about before the judgment actually begins. And he says, my spirit hath gathered them. My spirit has found them. I know where they are. I know who they are. And I, they are the apple of my eye. And I have cast lot for them. In other words, I have paid a price. I have redeemed them. And I will gather them back. And uh, God has uh, possessed this, this people. And he will gather them to himself in this last day. So in the midst of a season of judgment where all the nations of the earth are going to be affected by this. There's going to be a people of the book, glory to God, 
that are going to have a revelation of what's going on, and they are the people of God, and they will be gathered unto him in that hour. We know that Israel is being gathered as we speak back into their land, and they will have the book open to them. It's still covered to them. Their eyes are sealed uh, unto them now. But thank God now there is a bride who are referred to as the people of the book, and we are the people of the open book now uh, who have an understanding. Everywhere we look in the scripture, it points to Christ and what he's doing. It points to the uh, people of God. It points to the end time events that, uh, that we see unfolding in our time. It points to the fact that God's a separator. And if you're on the Lord's side, God's going to separate you out from the people that are ripe for judgment. All of this is going to take place. It gives us great consolation to realize that uh, God has paid the price for them. He's cast a lot for them, and they are his. Remember, in that time, Jesus said, Look up, for your redemption draweth nigh. Now, redemption, by its own simple definition, means a liberty that has been bought by paying the correct price. So when the right price is, is given, then somebody can actually purchase, they can free, they can liberate something. Uh, they can go into the pawn shop and they can pay the price required and they can liberate that. They can deliver that from the uh, hands of the pawn shop owner. And this is the idea that Jesus is saying when all of these signs are taking place and all of these things are going on, remember now, the one who paid the price is going to redeem that people from the earth and we will be taken from these sinful bodies will be taken from these sick bodies, and God will deliver us. I would love to see that take place today, myself, in my own heart. I would, I, would, I would just love to see that take place. Everyone who's stuck in a hospital, everyone who's stuck at home, everybody who's stuck under conditions of confinement and quarantine and isolation, I'd love for the Holy Spirit just to override that and take everybody and deliver us into a kingdom where we belong. I believe that would be a wonderful deliverance for us. And this is what Isaiah promises here, that in the last day, when he says, Come all ye nations and listen to this, the indignation of the Lord is on its on its road. It's, it's happening now. And we see that happening in the earth. We see that churning in the earth already. And now he says in the very end of it that there's going to be a people of the book. Chapter 35 also reiterates the same thing. Chapter 35 uh, starts in verse 1. The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice even with joy and singing. And the glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it, the excellency of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. We've stood on Mount Carmel several times and look out over the lush green valleys there and see the excellency and the beauty of uh, of Carmel and Sharon and uh, the beauty of Lebanon and the, and the borders of Israel that touch on the land of Lebanon there. And it says in verse 4, Say to them that are of a fearful heart, Be strong and fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with a recompense, and he will come and do what? He will not come and judge you. He will not come and condemn you. He will not come and forget you, but he will come and save you. Glory to God. He will come and bring you to the place where you belong. He will come for you, and he will come to save you because he has paid the price. He has cast a lot. He has redeemed us by his grace. 
And so all of this is what Isaiah prophesies in the last day. So he's saying all ye nations, the indignation of the Lord is to be poured out. But when it comes to the wilderness of Israel and how it was abandoned for all these years, he said it will blossom as a rose and it will be completely transformed and it'll be different. Just like God's people when they're taken out of the wilderness of the world and the wilderness of their own sin, they will be transformed so they will blossom with the character of Christ and they will show that in their own lives. And God said, I know where my seed are. I will raise up that seed and I will transform their, and renew their minds uh, by the transforming power of Almighty God and, and make them uh, as, as, as representatives of Christ and make them as representatives of the, kingdom, of the kingdom in this earth. And that's exactly what God's doing in this last day. And the troubles that we face and the, and the problems that we deal with and the isolation that we experience, let me tell you, all of it is designed to shape you and mold a certain type of character and resilience in your life, a resolve in your life that, hey, doesn't matter how long this goes on. Doesn't matter how bad it gets. Doesn't matter what the government actually decides or determines about our future. Let me tell you, God's God's word is even stronger. And there's going to be a a direction that this world takes that uh, you know politicians feel like they've got control over. But I will assure you again that God's got His hand on the bigger steering wheel, and He knows where it's all going. Brother Banner makes this statement here in. Uh, Great coming revival. He said, some time ago, having breakfast in a room in Washington, and Mr. Nixon, Vice President of the United States, was speaking there at this time. His brother Branham was there in Washington when this was going on. And he was talking of how communism was sweeping the land. And for instance, you know, how the world faces communism has much of it already. The influence of communism has spread. And of course, back in Brother Branham's day, uh, back when this was stated here, communism was a great threat. And Hoover, J. Edgar Hoover, uh, made sure that everybody was afraid of communism and everybody was focused on communism. Everybody had their eye on the wrong thing. And he says, and then that part is mixed up between believers and unbelievers, and Christ said the gospel should go to all the world. So the, the Christians got a tremendous job ahead of him. So let's look at what that job is now. Brother Branham's saying that, you know, communism is spread and people are, are you know, it's all kind of uh, convoluted here. And so we've got a job to do. Let's look at what that job is. Is our job to defeat communism? Is our job to be involved in the politics of uh, undermining communism? He said, watch what he says. Every person in his own church to get behind the pastor in the program and to back it up with all that we have to back up with. And that's why I'm putting my shoulder to the wheel, as God will permit me, to try to bring to each one the view, as far as I have knowledge to do, of the soon coming of our Lord Jesus. It's a very discouraging time for the unbeliever, but a very happy time for the believer, for we believe at the time of redemption is drawing nigh. So we've got to make sure that our focus is on the right thing. Our focus is not on finding a cure for the virus, or trying to correct things that are taking place in Washington. If I understand it right, the situation in our culture is going to get worse and worse. Let me show you the Bible verse. And if you don't mind, let me just pop over here in uh, for 2 Timothy chapter 3. Paul writes, he says, Thou hast fully known my doctrine and my manner of life, my purpose, my long faith and long suffering, charity and patience. Persecutions, afflictions which come unto me at Antioch, came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra. 
what persecutions I endured. But out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. So culturally, as, a, as, as the cosmos progresses, things are not going to get better. They're going to get worse. And as a result, Brother Random said, it's an unhappy time for unbelievers because there seems to be nothing improving in this sense. Let me tell you something. There are certain laws that are coming that are on the books that I believe will probably be passed or modified in some way and passed in our time that are going to make life difficult for, for decent, moral Christian people to live in our nation. And it's already... It's, it's already. I could, if we had time, we could take the, uh, you know, just just the details of that, and and to begin to look at that, it it is it is actually striking, uh, to watch what what it is that's taken place, and what it is that's on its road here. So, let me just get back to my my spot here. Paul tells us that in that in that context that socially. Uh, things are going to get worse and worse every time. He says, and it'll be more discouraging for the believer. And you know what? The unbeliever, when they, uh, discouraging for the unbeliever, I meant. And uh, it, during that time, like I say, people will be looking for an improvement of life. They'll be looking for more freedoms. They'll be look, looking for less restrictions. They'll be looking for, uh, you know, greater autonomy in their own lives and the ability to start businesses without hassles and all the rest of it. And you know what? It isn't changing. Things aren't getting better. Television's not getting better. The news is not getting any, uh, any more positive. Uh, all of these things are, you know, they're, they're ongoing. And what, what the Bible assures us is that it's going to get worse and worse as we progress towards the end time. But the believer has a message of hope. And this is what he's telling us. The believer has a message of hope. The believer has a message of real true joy. The, mess the believer has a message of deliverance. And so therefore our commission, our job in the overspreading of trouble in the world, our commission or our job, he says, is for us to spread that and to tell people about it, to get the message out, uh, to do what we can with whatever resources God's given to us to get the message out, to be able to spread it, to be able to propagate it, uh, to encourage one another, because we live in a very discouraging time. And as I've said to you before, God's a separator. And as a result of this separation, you have people moving over on one side of this whole spectrum. And they're moving in a place like John 13 uh, describes, where Jesus says, we'll gather them all together for the burning out of the field. And we'll gather the good seed into the Father's house. We know we're on our way. But the world is on its way to a different place. And so therefore, that spirit, if, if we're not careful, we can get affected by that spirit that's affecting the world and where it's all heading. But remember now, all of it is being held up until the bride is completely formed, and he that now letteth will let until, until he be taken out of the way. So where do we go from here? Let's get specific here. God's loosening up the church everywhere, getting it in order so he can get it into the rapture and got to give it rapturing faith before it can go. So the whole focus of the Holy Spirit is your spiritual growth. That's his primary concern is for him to have you ready for when that time comes and the bride is to leave this earth. And everything that's taken place in our world is an act of God loosening things up, of digging and rooting things out and getting things in shape for where God can move among us so that God can move us 
into the right place where we can receive what we need to hear in order to become the people of another kingdom. So the whole idea of God moving us into a place where we can hear the right thing and then allowing, I believe what we need to hear is already present. I believe we need to be in a place where we can hear it. And that's why, to me, it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating not to be able to gather in church. Because I know by now, uh, you know, almost an hour into this, uh, by now, <clears throat> you know, we've got a lot of people that have wandered off or a lot of people that have, you know, become, in a sense, numb to what it is that's being said today. And I understand that in a natural sense. And it really, it really grieves me that, you know, we don't have the, the ability to be able to feed off one another's spirit and to be able to join together in faith. And like Brother Branham said, when he looked out over those audiences and saw that milky white atmosphere, you know, that can be, that can be experienced by one person, but it's easier and it's more real when it's in a, in a, a building where all believers are gathered together and uh, you have brothers and sisters of like precious faith all pulling on the rope the same way everyone pulling on the gift in the same way. It's just a wonderful experience to have. Yes, we have a, a portion of it here today, but we miss our gathering together. And I believe that Satan's doing everything he can to keep the people of God separated and to uh, not, not uh, for us not to be able to be, or at least be hindered from gathering together. And that's why it, it takes, in a real sense, it takes an exertion for us to ascend to the place that we need to have. Now, hold on. We'll come to that in just a moment here. I want you to watch the next couple of quotes. I'm not going to be long, but I want you to watch the next couple of quotes here. If there ever was a day when men and women ought to open their eyes and look into the Word of God, it's today. And if the church ever buckled on its armor, it should be today. Don't put it off one more day. If there's anything between you and God to keep you from going in the rapture, you better make it right now. We're living in the expectation of the soon coming of our blessed Lord, and we're watching for that hour. So I, I, I think it'd be well worth it for you to pause and say, you know what, if there's a person who I need to make things right with, if there's an apology I need to offer, if there's a brother who I need to go to and leave my gift at the altar and go to him, then I should do it. Because we're living much closer the 1958 to the day when this thing winds up. And this is the exertion that we're going to be talking about here. Jesus said, when you see these things come to pass, lift up your head and your redemption draweth nigh." Hey, we, we have countless signs, countless indicators that are pointing all in the same direction. Signs in the sky, fearful sights, men's hearts failing for fear, great things taking place. All of those things are indicators, as he says, to let us know exactly where we are. And I'm looking for a time of a breaking forth of the Spirit of God in the last days that we're now living in, for another surge of the Holy Spirit into the church, for a rapturing faith just before it comes. So our expectation, even though the world situation is getting worse, our expectation is that things are going to get uh, better for us in a spiritual sense. And everything is setting straight in order for that. In other words, God's moving it around to align it up so that this takes place in the last day. And that's why I think Satan's fighting so hard uh, outwardly. When Satan fights outwardly, it's to me, his not, it's not his best tactic, but it's a desperate one. Because 
Now he's got to throw everything he can at the program of God and the people of God in order to stop their progress. Satan works best when he's in deception, when he's hiding, when he's uh, got things undercover. When you see the enemy's tactics come outward, he is generally very desperate about uh, the times that we're living in. So we see a more outward manifestation of evil and a more outward manifestation uh, of things that are contrary to God's program because of the desperation of the enemy. And that's what's exactly what's taking place. So I, I want to I just leave this with you. Where do we go from here? Let me just leave this with you and say this, that we are, we are not a people who are without resources. The Bible is full of them. And I want to just leave this thought with you this morning. Mm -hmm. Hast thou not known, Isaiah writes in 40, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. If that's you, you turn to the one who's able to give that power. If you feel faint in your spirit, if you feel faint in your experience, you turn to the one who has the power to improve things. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. Even the youth shall faint. <clears throat> I think this whole idea of isolation and separation here because of the conditions makes it hard on young people. I believe that. And then we lose a momentum that we had, and we have to work. We have to exert ourselves to come back into that place again. That's why I've gotten involved in the Sunday school, and I've, I've uh, taken over Steve's former class and did my own class of the older kids here, and we're meeting uh, at least online at the moment here because we, we realize this is not an easy thing for the youth, and and. Isaiah specifically identifies them here. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, and they shall mount up with wings as an eagle, as eagles, and they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. The, the, way, the way that uh, I believe that this happens in the last part of the verses here at 31 is, is threefold. Number one, the people wait on God, and, and they're looking for, for God to move in their midst. Looking for God to move in their families. Looking for God to move in their, in, their, in their simple gatherings. Number two, there are people who encourage themselves in the Lord. So I, I believe that I should do, and, and we should do as parents, and we should do as ministers, and we should do as members of the body of Christ. We should encourage one another. So there's a, a waiting on God yourself. There's an encouragement that the people of God give to one another. But then thirdly, there's an infusion of strength. There's the breasted one that gives that strength to the weak and the weary along this last part of the journey. And we depend certainly upon him. We depend upon each other. We depend upon our own resolve, uh, you know, to just uh, distance ourselves, to disengage from the world and its influences to wait upon God, and strength comes because of that. When we encourage one another in service, there's a strength that comes with that. But the greater strength comes from his presence, and that's what Isaiah promises us here. That's what takes place for the people of God in the last day. Now, 
Let me give you another statement here. Brother Branham said, as I've mentioned to you before, he says it's going to take more faith now than any other age has to be, for this has to be rapturing faith and for us to be taken up. So it's going to be the, the, the supreme exertion of our faith. It's going to be that extreme uh, uh, move of God and that stirring of God's people in order to take us up because this is not just to face another day. This is not just to move in a horizontal position, but rather this is the taking up of God's people. And so Brother Branham says we want you to, to do this, to believe and, and take all we've seen and heard and accumulate that in our hearts and consider whether it's of God. If it's of God, then you're a part of a move of God that's not going to end until God takes his people out. Did you hear what I said? If, if this is of God, then according to all the scriptures that I read, God is separating people for judgment. God is separating people over here to gather and take them up. And if that's true, God's not going to rest until he takes his people up before he judges the earth and pours out his indignation upon the earth. And so this is God's desire, is to take up the people of God, to lift them off the earth, to take them away from here and bring us into the kingdom where we belong. Now, <clears throat> one more scripture. We've already read Timothy there. In Peter, we realize that we are not without the resources that we need in order to navigate through this time. Here's what Peter promises us in verse 3. According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Everything, God would not leave us here until all things that need to be fulfilled are going to be fulfilled. Every single thing that is required of us, God has put in the package of this last day's message in order for us to be satisfied. We cannot preserve righteousness in the culture, but we can be overcomers through the abundance of the knowledge that God gives to us and all things that pertain unto life and godliness through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we have lost nothing because of his word. Because of his word, we've lost nothing in the fight. I was telling our young people last night online when we had our little Bible study that it's really important for them at a young age to develop habits of godliness, to be able to develop good habits and to do them, uh, to do things every day, to read their Bible, listen to the message, to be able to edify themselves. And when they do that, they're developing habits of godliness. That's a really important thing in our time when there's so much ungodliness that's available. And uh, the, the same devices that we can use to encourage ourselves in the Lord are the same devices that are at hand in order to entertain us and to distract us. Not that we shouldn't, not that we shouldn't have those uh, seasons where, uh, you know, we enjoy a wholesome distraction from life. Not, not at all. And that's not my point. But the point is, is that we, we lack nothing in our time because no matter what age we're living in, the resources are available to us. So where do we go from here? We stay the course. Where do we go from here? We press on and we continue to to stand in the light of God's word. Nothing has changed. The commission hasn't changed at all. The parameters haven't changed at all. The direction that God's moving us is up to him. The perseverance that we have comes when we wait upon the Lord to renew our strength. Everything that we need, God's given to us. Everything that pertains to life, we're still living this life in this world. Everything that pertains to godliness, all of it is available to us. I'm reminded of a story of a, 
uh, a family that owned a farm and a uh, huge, one of those huge farms out West. And, uh, the, the farm had passed through generations of generations of families that had owned it and passed it on to the sons and the grandsons. And it was successful because this, uh, family just had a, uh, they had a, a strength about them. They had a resolve about them to, uh, make it work in difficult times as well as good times. And I'm reminded of a, uh, one incident in that family's life when this is uh, uh, told about, uh, you know, the har- they come to the harvest time and they were going to gather the wheat out of the, the, f- uh, the farm. They had all the, uh, the neighbors who came with their harvesters and the combines and everything was all ready to, to be taken out. And traditionally they had a, a wagon and they would have uh, horses hitch up to it and they would go out in the field and the whole family would spend the, the day in the field and uh, they would labor and all the men would work and they would get things done out there in the field and with their electronic machines and as well as by hand and they would uh, take all the hay and gather it into their barns. And uh, one year there was a bunch of younger kids who were there and they were all excited about going out and uh, they wanted they asked the grandfather and said, you know, is it is it okay for us? We want to go in the hay wagon. We want to be out there all day. And the grandfather said, no. No, can't do it. He says, you're going to be in the way. We're not going to do it today for the little kids. He said, no, we're not going to have them out there, and we're not going to do it. They kept pressing him, kept pressing him. And finally, he said, he said to his son, he said, all right. He said, you can take them out. Take those boys out. And he said, and take them off in the wagon in the morning. He said, but the only condition is that you do not bring them back until the day is done. Don't bring them back until the day is over. And so the kids were excited, the grandkids, they were excited, and they were just bursting to get out there, and they were uh, just so happy, you know, and they got themselves dressed, and they were on the wagon and ready to go, and off they went. First two hours, everything is great. They're having a great time jumping around, and uh, everything is is uh, just a blast when they're out there in the field. And as the day began to wear on, it began to get hotter, and they had hay down their back, and uh, you know, the uh, scratch in their skin. And, uh, you know, they were, they were pretty anxious to, all right, now let's, uh, let's head back to the house and let's, uh, let's do something else. And we didn't want to work anymore. And the father said to them, no, he said, the condition that, that you stay, that you got to come out here is that you had to stay all day. And so they complained a little bit. And as time wore on through the afternoon, they would complain more and more as they went on. And things got really weary for those kids that were out there. But the father wouldn't let them come back. He said, nope, we're going to stay. We're going to stay right to the very end. And they had to endure and they had to work all through the, through the day until the workers finally took their hats off and scratched their head and headed for the barn and brought all the, all the hay back in and unloaded everything and put their machines up for the night. And the father said to them, he said, he said, really, he said, that's how this whole farm has been built. He said, that's how we've been successful is because we never gave up when things turned against us. We never gave up when things got rough. And when you felt like turning your back on things, he said, we, we were the kind of family that never gave into that. And he said, as a result, we have been successful over the years. I'd like to simply say this. And I believe that God's put us in this field in the last day, in the harvest time, so that we would do exactly the same thing, that we would find rest in his promise, that we would endure to the end, because he that endureth to the end shall be saved. And that's exactly what God has 
given to us is that resolve to to remain until every last one is in their place until every last one is in its position in this last day the third exodus here's where brother Branham here's what brother Branham says he says faith looks at the word and places itself upon the unmovable rock of God's eternal word faith don't look at reason faith finds the word its sanctuary of rest faith finds the word its sanctuary of rest faith does not find a stimulus check as a sanctuary faith does not look to an easier way of life as a sanctuary we find the sanctuary in the word and let me if i could do anything else today i would just want to point you to the word of the hour again I point you to the word of the Lord, point you to some of these scriptures that we've given and we've looked at in this little series of marks and seals. And clearly, there's many, many other places and statements here where it's described of what is a characteristic of the mark of the beast and what's a characteristic of the seal of God. All of it is there. But I will tell you something, if you know who you are and you know where you're headed, you know what side you're on, and who will stand for the Lord if you've already identified yourself as one who stands on the Lord's side? And let me tell you, just be prepared that the Father is not going to let you give up when things get rough in the end. He's not going to let you turn back and walk away from the field. God has placed us in this last day for a reason. Your commission is to spread the good news. Your commission is to share the message with the rest of the world. Your commission is to carry on. It's, it's, an, it's an easier thing for you to turn away. It is physically, emotionally, in, in a lot of ways, it's easier just to turn away and not have to deal with this. But I will tell you, that's not what you've been chosen for. So if you're looking for a sanctuary, look into the Word of God. And don't just look at the signs of the times, the earthquakes, men's hearts failing from fear, and all the other pestilences and things that are going to come on the earth. Don't look at that. Look at what the prophecy is pointing to. The prophecy is pointing to a redemption. The prophecy is pointing to another kingdom, another land. The prophecy points to another body. The prophecy points to another place. And God's not going to let you jump ship. He's not going to let you walk off the field. He's going to require that we persevere. He's not going to do it without giving us the resources to do it. What we have need of to make it to the end God will give. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, just in a simple way, Lord, of taking these thoughts and the conclusion of the matter today, Lord, we are thankful that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit, that, Lord, you've done a great work in our hearts and our lives that has just given us that assurance, Lord, of where you want us to be in the last day, where you want to take us, Lord. I ask now in the name of Jesus Christ that you would encourage every heart. And Lord, it just burdens my heart so much that we're not in our building today. We're not able to just enjoy one another's company in the sanctuary. But Father, I, I just, just would pray that, Lord, you would rid this disease from us, Lord, that we might be able to assemble in safety. We pray for the sick and those that need your strength and your touch today, Lord. May you just build in their hearts a resolve, Lord, to 
be strong again. And Father, may they just reach to you with all that is within them. Lord, to appropriate the grace and the mercy and the healing virtue that is available to us. Lord, may we bear one another up. May we encourage each one. Father, may we just learn to strengthen each other, Lord, and to remember each other in sincere prayer. Lord, our, our days on this earth, we believe, are numbered. They're short. But, Father, <clears throat> I just pray that you would give us just a renewed sense of perseverance towards the end of the, end of the journey for us. Lord, come, I pray, in the volume of the book and speak to our hearts. We commit our lives to you afresh and ask, oh God, that you would just renew our, our, our spirits, Lord, that you would just pick us up. And I pray that you would just strengthen each one, Lord. We thank you for the body of Christ. We thank you for the believers. And Lord, for the great message you have given to us in this last day. Father, bless your people now. I pray no matter where they are and where they're listening, Lord, I pray that you would bless them richly. I commit them to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you, friends. It's been great to be with you today. And if I if I had a, an opportunity to sing this morning, I'd sing, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength and mount up with wings as eagles. I'm not going to do it, don't worry. Uh, but um, I, 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 just, I just would encourage you just to uh, do those three things, to strengthen yourself in the Lord and wait upon God. And also to allow the, the ministry to be able to encourage you as well. But turn to him who is able to uh, give us a, a peace and a, um, you know, just, just that strength that supernaturally comes in the presence of God. May God bless you. May God richly bless you. Remember those who are needy today and need that extra touch. We commit them into God's hands. God bless you until we meet again.